you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. How how many people know that the struggle is real? (laughs) Right? Um, boy, I've been there plenty of times in, in my life. You got your Bible? Hey, join me in Galatians chapter number five. Uh, we're finishing a Bible study that we started the Sunday after uh, Easter. And here we are in the second weekend of, of June. We, we've been asking this question, uh, how do we make the world uh, a better place? Now, we would all come to the conclusion that the world <laughs> has a challenge or two. <laughs> there, there might be a couple grumpy people uh, walking around the world. Hopefully, they're not sitting next to you this morning. But we, 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 we get this, right? And we all can play a role in making the world a better place. Y- you see, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, even if you're not, if you're on the kind of outside looking at Jesus and you're kind of wondering, is this whole Jesus story true or not? His words guide us this morning when he says, I came, Jesus came, not to give us a list of rules to obey. Jesus came to make a life better for you and me. In this world, Jesus said there's all kinds of trials and tribulations. There's all kinds of pressure points. But he came to make all of our lives better. In your Bible, Galatians 5 and 22, the Bible says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the point of our study this weekend, self control oh yeah baby anybody besides me have just a little bit of problem with the whole self-control congress passed what's known as the hr 555 bill named the personal responsibility and food consumption act Uh, some have actually called it the cheeseburger bill in other words, there is a law on the books. Your congressman and your congresswoman, of all the pressure points and problems in the world, they spent time debating and finally passing into law the cheeseburger bill. That's right. You, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is so sad. <laughs> You cannot sue McDonald's or Burger King or any other restaurant for eating too many cheeseburgers. That's your fault. (laughs) Congress had to pass a law just in case perhaps potentially you didn't understand that self-control isn't McDonald's responsibility. It's my responsibility. What is this thing called self-control? Is it just white-knuckling it and saying, okay, I got to wait for mom to come back before I can have those Skittles? And you look to the left and you look to the right. I mean, what, what is it? Is it just saying, no, I, 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 won't, I won't do this. I won't listen to that. I, I, I won't smoke this. I won't drink too much of that. I won't eat all of this. Uh, what, what actually is self-control? 
I want to give us somewhat of a, a working definition this morning. Are you ready? If you want to take it, notes. It's spiritual power. What is self-control? It's spiritual power to say no to what's bad for us so we can say yes to the good that God's got for us. Did you catch that? That self-control is spiritual power to say no to what's bad for us so we can say yes to the good that God's got for us. And who doesn't want, who, who wouldn't want more than, than that? See, self-control is a decision you make more than willpower you deploy. Huh, that will help you. Some of us think that, that self-control is this willpower, this thing inside of me that I've got to muster up. No, 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 no. Self-control is a decision that you make much more than willpower you deploy. Check out Proverbs 25 and 28. The Bible says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like that city who no longer has any defense mechanisms because there's no, there's no walls to protect them. When you and I don't understand what self-control is, when we don't get it that God has given us spiritual power to say no to what's bad for us, what hurts us, who doesn't want to have the, the strength to say no to what hurts us so we can say yes to the help that God gives us, that God in powers us with. Now, we have leaned in for the vast majority of our Bible study to verse 22 and 23. Perhaps you missed way back in the day Galatians 5, 16 and 21, because really what's going on is the Apostle Paul, he's, he's outlining for us there are two different paths in which to live on. Let me see if I can remind us. Look on the screen, Galatians 5 and 16. So I say, Paul says, I say this, walk by the Spirit. That's what we're all trying to do. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is uh, contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh, right? And look at this list. These are all the things that we wrestle with, we struggle with, that we wish we had more self-control over. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We get this. And so remember, then he, he pivots in verse 22 and he says, let me give you the fruit of the Spirit. These aren't things that you've got to work yourself up. These are things that you've got to yield yourselves to. Yeah. Did you catch that? The fruit of the Spirit doesn't belong to you. These characteristic traits, I'm sorry. I, I know your mama told you that you're so good, but no human being's this good. The problem, we all have this thing called sin. We all are selfish. So God gives us his Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And look at the list on the screen. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. This belongs. Love belongs to the Spirit. Joy belongs to the Spirit. Peace belongs to the Spirit's forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. How do we make the world a better place? It's not by electing a different politician. It's not by somehow trying to control situations and circumstances. The way we make the world better as Christ followers is we make a deliberate decision that we're going to yield our lives to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The struggle is real. The struggle that that little boy you saw on the screen when his mama said, wait, and you kind of watched him and he's looking to the left and he's looking to the right and he kind of touches it, don't touch it. He looks and he writes. That struggle is so real. All the way back to the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, 14 and 15, the Bible says, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do, I do. You get this, right? There's a lot of us that like these things that I would like to do in my life, what I know I should do, my goodness, I procrastinate. I don't do those things. And these things over here that I, that I know I shouldn't be doing, oh my goodness, I seem like I do them over and over and over. The struggle over self-control is real. I was listening to a podcast uh, this week. They were interviewing Molly Bloom. Uh, maybe you saw the, the movie called Molly's Game. She also wrote a book called uh, Molly's, uh, yeah, Molly's Game. And, and in this, she was being interviewed, and uh, she would run these, these, these poker games. And you could go and, 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 and play poker. And she told this story about on, on a couple days, this one guy, he got into the poker game, and, and he just didn't know how to push away from the table. And $100 million later, $100 million later, Molly kicked him out of the room. I'd like to have just 1% of the $100 million. I'm telling you, and we all struggle, right? We all struggle with different things when it comes to self-control. I have no idea what it is about a Pringles can. I double dog dare you, I triple dog dare you to eat just one. I, I just don't know what it is about that can. I, I, I'm still in counseling. Linda introduced me to something a, a while back. She has willpower when it comes to kind of food. The man she married named Mark does not. Now, ice cream is a nice treat. Would you agree? I mean, I like ice cream. There's nothing wrong with a bowl of ice cream. Are you with me? And normally you eat ice cream with what? Cake, but come on, help me out. What do you eat ice cream with? No, no, no. Come on, what do you eat ice cream with? You're thinking too much. What do you eat ice cream with? A spoon. My goodness. Right. A spoon, right? It's, you, 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 you dip it in there, and you're supposed to take it out of the ice cream container and put it in the bowl, right? Linda decides one day, I'm sitting in my chair, and she brings over me, over to me two bowls, no spoon. In one bowl was ice cream. This particular ice cream was called banana split. had all my favorite things in it. The other bowl had... Vanilla wafer cookies. Do you know what vanilla wafer cookies are? And she says to me, use the vanilla wafer as your 
spoon. She had let the ice cream get kind of soft, and I'm taking the vanilla away for the cookie, and I'm dipping it in. I'm now an addict. I cannot say, I can't, I'm just saying, hey, are you with me? Self-control, the pain is for real. I read a story this week about a couple, and like a lot of couples, they would bump into each other, and they would have disagreements. Now, you know, there are disagreements, and, and they are kind of fussing, and then there's the fight. You know what I'm talking about? And he was the kind of guy, he wasn't able to have any self-control, and he just let it out. Maybe that's somebody in your relationship, right? Just upset. It makes no difference. Maybe it was about money. It was about the kids. It's about the way the car was parked in the driveway. All the different things. You know, you didn't fill up the gas tank. Whatever that thing is, they're arguing. They're mad. And he has no self-control. He just spews it out. Can anybody relate to this? Yeah, be careful about raising your hand right now if they're next to you, right? Oh, okay. She, on the other hand, was a little bit more quiet. Some would say maybe more passive. Where he was aggressive, she was a little bit more passive. And somewhere, somewhere in the argument, she would always retreat to the bathroom. And then she would come back out of the bathroom, and she would just be calm as a cucumber. And he was just so upset. He said, I don't get this. How, how do you have so much self-control? She says, well, when you get upset and you get mad, I just, I just go into the bathroom. See, and he says, well, how in the world do you just go? In? Well, I go in the bathroom and I just, I just clean the bathroom. How does going in the bathroom and cleaning the bathroom give you any sense of comfort when we're fighting? And then she said, because I use your toothbrush. <laughs> and some of you are going home this afternoon and checking out your toothbrush <laughs> and some of you are going home and hiding your toothbrush hey listen as we end this series i i, I want to give us kind of two things to think about and maybe some action steps along the way when we think about self-control Self-control is a decision that you make. My goal this morning is to lead us to make a decision more than kind of willpower that you deploy. We've all tried willpower. There's all kinds of books. You can get online and all kinds of books that try to tell you about how to muscle up so that you don't do this or you start doing that. I want you to see this morning, it's much more about the decisions that you're making. And here's the first big thing I want us to know is this. At some point, you've got to believe that God satisfies better than sin. Amen. That, 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 that's the pressure point right now. That God satisfies better than sin. Uh, until you come to this thing, if you think that God is some killjoy, and until you come to this point where you think that God really has best for you until you believe that the promises of God are so much better than the pleasures of sin you'll just carry on you you you, you you'll be like that city with broken down walls now I want to can I get honest with you for a moment here's what the Bible says about sin in Hebrews eleven twenty five: the momentary enjoyment of sin's pleasure here's what you need to know <laughs> sin feels good oh yeah baby there's a momentary pleasure. And moms and dads, can I help you? 
When you try to motivate your sons and daughters by telling them, you don't want to go do this. You, you, I, I remember, uh, I didn't really grow up in church, but I remember hearing a youth pastor talk about how, listen, you don't, you don't want to have sex before marriage because it's bad. It's wrong. It's no good, right? And kind of, kind of scaring you about that. And I remember the first time I was kind of like making out with a girl, right? You know what I'm saying? And I was like, that youth pastor, cray cray. Because, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is feel, oh my, he don't know what he's talking about. Let me just tell you, the Bible says the momentary enjoyment of sin's pleasure. But this is a decision. You've got to come to a point, point where you make a decision that you believe that God satisfies better than sin this is the pathway the pathway forward to say no to what would hurt us so we can say yes to God who wants to empower us this is the difference between happiness and destruction fulfillment and misery this decision process that we're talking about is the difference between sobriety and addiction between debt and savings whatever topic you want to talk about you coming to the conclusion that God's not some cosmic cop in the sky he's waiting for you to mess up he's going to pull you over and write a ticket somewhere you got to come to a belief system that God is more pleasurable than sin you got to think about that don't you I remember before I met Jesus, and this might be a little bit too much information this morning, but it's, it's truth. I remember before I, I met Jesus, I, I saw my body as belonging to me, and so whatever I wanted to do with my body, I would do with my body. And I remember being with, being with women sexually uh, outside of, of marriage. And like any mammal, I could have sex with anybody. And in any kind of sexual activity, an orgasm, but that was only a physical orgasm. I remember making a decision for Jesus Christ. And although I couldn't go back and undo my history, from the moment that I made a decision for Jesus, I made a determination. From this moment until whenever God would perhaps potentially bring a woman into my life, that I was going to stay abstinent. I couldn't go back and undo the bell that I had rung, but from the moment that I'm standing in this place, I could step forward and believe that God's pleasure system is far better than the world's pleasure system. And so I did. Some people are, are, are shocked to realize that when Linda and I, we were in our middle 20s, when we were, were dating, all we ever did was, was hold hands. Matter of fact, I remember being picked on at my, my wedding rehearsal when the preacher said, okay, you may kiss the bride. And nobody knew that we had kind of made this covenant, this pact, that, that we were going to wait till we were married, right? And I know some of you are like, oh my goodness. But you got to understand, I, I had so violated God's, God's word, God's pleasure system, I wanted to set myself up to experience all that God had for me. And so on my wedding night, I understood that, that the gift of intimacy, the gift of a, of a physical uh, relationship goes beyond just a physical act of sex. It's, it's orgasmic physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, and spiritually. So if you thought it was good doing it on your own, it was at a whole 
another level when you believe that God's pleasure system is far better than... See, some of you are kind of wondering, oh my goodness, did Marge, is he really talking about that on Sunday morning? You better believe. Because let me tell you something, everything... Everything that God has given, it's for your enjoyment when we trust God living his way. You just got to make a decision. You're going to believe that God satisfies better than sin. See, all choices have consequences. Isn't this the example of Jesus? Believing, believing. Jesus came and he modeled what it looked like when you really trust that God has best for you. Remember with me in in, uh, Luke 4, 1 and through 13. The adversary, Satan, takes Jesus out into the desert. Much like that little boy and all the temptation that we saw on the screen. Satan begins to tempt Lucifer in three areas. In pleasure, in status, and in stuff. And isn't that where we're tempted? Isn't that where we struggle with self-control? In pleasure, how I feel, status. Who am I in this world? And stuff, what do I have? And, and, and Satan would, would, would tempt him. Okay, listen, follow me and I'll give you these pleasures. And he's like, yeah, um, nah, I, I've tasted and seen. I know how good God the Father is. No, 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 thanks. Oh, but, but okay, yeah, well, watch this. I'll give you status. I'll make you important. I'll make you the big man, the big woman on campus. And he's like, yeah, nah, not so much. I, I, I. My identity is rooted in God. Uh, well, here, look at all this stuff. If you had more of this, boy, you would feel better and one more time. And then ultimately, at the end of Jesus' life, the example he gives us in Matthew 26 and 39. Jesus, that is, now he's in the garden. It's just before he goes to the cross. And he went a little farther and he bowed with his face to the ground praying, my father, If it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. There's a decision to make. Again, remember, you've got to decide. Do I believe? Do I believe that God satisfies more than sin? That's the decision that you're making this morning. And he says, yet I want your will to be done not mine. He's deciding that God's ways, God satisfies far better. Self-control is a decision you make more than willpower you deploy. Then Jesus left them a second time. He goes back, talks to the disciples. He comes back. He's talking. He's praying. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it. Again, self-control is a decision that you make more than willpower you deploy. If you do not have self-control, you're simply making the decision not to have self-control. You're making the decision that what I want, how I feel, what the world has offered to me is far more satisfying. Put your little religious act to the side. What you're saying is what the world is offering me is more satisfying to me. What I want is more important than what God's want. Thank you very much, God. I'll do it my way. And Jesus says, your will be done. And I know what some of you are thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there and you're looking at me. PMC. 
come on, PMC. What the fuck? Come on, man. What you talking about? Comparing me to Jesus? He's like God, dude. Yet that's not fair, asking me to be like Jesus. Here's the problem. You don't know your Bible. Look what God's word says in Galatians 4 and 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman subject to the law. Jesus is a man, a human being, just like you are, sir. Ma'am, all the pressure points that you have, Jesus had. He didn't have some special, well, I'm immune to that. Hey, look at this, Philippians 2, 5, and 8. Christ Jesus, that's your Savior, being the very nature God, made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He walked and he talked and he lived and he breathed on this earth as a human being. Notice Hebrews 4 and 15. For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus Christ, who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Jesus can empathize with that little boy on the screen. Just like you were able to, right? You're like, oh, do I touch the Skittle? I don't want to touch the Skittle. Is anybody looking? Do I take it? Oh, I want it so bad. I crave it, right? I mean, he empathizes with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted. Do you see it? Tempted. Every way that you've been tempted not to be satisfied in God. Jesus was tempted just as we are, but he did not sin. In other words, Jesus came and he fully believed that satisfaction in God was far better than any temporary pleasure point that we have in this world. Spiritual power that God's given to us to say no to what's bad for us so we can say yes to the good that God has for us. So first, you got to believe you got to believe that God satisfies more than sin. Can I give you a second thing? This is, about, this is about to set some of you free. Even if you grew up in a Baptist church, you might about to get excited right now. I'm about to rock your world. Are you ready? Look at the person next to you and just ask, are you ready? Do we have seatbelts in these chairs? We might need to put them on now. Are you ready? Be motivated by your relationship with God more than the rules from God. We call that mic drop. Some of us, you think your whole relationship with God is based on the rules from God. Can I tell you something? If you're in a relationship that's based on rules, no wonder you think that relationship's no good. There's no joy in that. My relationship with Linda is not based on rules. It's based on the love that we have for one another. Unfortunately, the whole Christian life, churches have gathered for decades in North America, maybe a century. And over and over and over, we gather in settings like this, or we get in youth groups, or we get in Sunday school classes, or we teach children that following Jesus is about behavior modification. And you don't find that in the Bible. What you find over and over in the Bible is this incredible love relationship 
that God has with us through his son Jesus. God's not, I say this over and over and over, God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. The only explanation of what he did with his son Jesus is that he loves us. Now, many of us, right, are somewhat familiar with like the Ten Commandments, like the rulest of all rulers, right? These are the rules that you do not disobey God in. Because if you disobey God in, then oh my goodness, he's going to come and get you, right? And so in Exodus 20, we see this long list of, of rules. Do you know what's so sad? What's so sad is we skip over Exodus 20, verses 1 and verses 2, and we jump right to verses 3 through 17 and look at this long list of rules. And then we try our entire life to keep these rules and we missed everything that God says and no wonder we don't have the motivation to believe that God's got best for us Exodus 20 verse 1 says and God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery way before he began to outline for them the best way to live going forward in what we call the Ten Commandments, he wanted them to know, I'm your God. I saw you when you were hurting. I saw you when you were broken. I saw when you were filled with all kinds of apprehension. When you were in slavery, I showed up and I delivered you. In Titus chapter 2, we see the New Testament account. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Have you ever heard, there's a song that goes something like, Amazing how the sound, right? Anybody familiar with that song? Like, it's kind of on people's lists. What is this thing? Look, 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 look. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. I'm, I, am, I am forever thankful that God found a guy named Mark in Okinawa, Japan, and that my life has changed. The grace of God. Again, because we know box scores better than our Bibles, we don't know what verse 12 says. Because we know what's trending online. Because we spend more time on TikTok than we do with the Spirit of God. We don't know what verse 12 says. Look, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live, there it is, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Did you see it? What is it? What is it that teaches you? What is it that gives you the ability to have self-control in this present age? The grace of God. When you focus on the goodness and the forgiveness and the mercy, when you focus on all the love that God has for you, the motivation that you're looking for to say no to what the world's offering, it's now in us it's rooted in grace it's about satisfaction that god will satisfy me far more than the world it's about being motivated not by the rules from god but by the relationship we have with god spiritual power to say no to what's bad for us 
so we can say yes. Who doesn't want this? Who doesn't want what God's good is for them? So I'm going to give you a few things to walk out the door. I'm going to give you a few things that you can apply right now. How do we stay satisfied in God and motivated with God? Number one, write it down. Stay connected to God. You got, you got to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision. There's some things that are out of my control, but there's one thing that is in my control. I'm staying connected. John 15 and 4, Jesus says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Do, do, do you know the, the raspberry? Do you all like raspberries? I'm, I'm up into some raspberries. <laughs> the raspberry has one responsibility. Do you know what it is? There's only one. There's not two. There is one responsibility for the raspberry. Want to give a guess? Grow? Eh, maybe. Stay connected. You, you see, when the raspberry stays connected, all the potential of the raspberries in play. You might think, well, the raspberry's responsibility is to be red. The raspberry's responsibility is to be juicy. The raspberry's responsibility is to be sweet. The raspberry's responsibility is to grow. All those things are true. But all of that, the only responsibility is that it stays connected. As long as the raspberry, as long as the orange, as long as the apple, as long as the fruit stays connected, it will always have its potential. And that's true with us. That's why I recommend that you get up in the morning or before you go to bed tonight, you get connected in God's word. That's why I say that you, you get connected in a conversation with God and you, you talk to him and, and you listen to him. That's why I say that you, that you praise him. You see, it's all about praise and worship. When we gather together and, and we sing or when you're in your world and you're worshiping God, it's all about source and credit. It's all about, worship's all about, well, Mark, I don't know if I'm a worshiper. Let me, let me tell you, worship is about source and credit. The, the reason Marsha, who was over here doing her best to kind of bleed out loud, getting us to get a little bit excited for Jesus, is because she understands source and she understands credit. You, you see, when your husband is rushed to the hospital with a, a life-threatening stroke, and the doctors say to a young mom, we're so sorry, we think your, your, your husband will never recover. And then the Spirit of Almighty God gets involved in Vinny. She know who her source is. She knew who gets the credit. The problem with a lot of us is you're so in control of your life. When someone talks about you getting up and getting excited and giving God your, as your source... You don't need God as your source because you're in control of your life. Your 401k, your skill set, your house, your square footage. Let me tell you, so quickly life can change. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision to stay connected. Hear me. You do not work for your salvation. God's salvation has been given free to us in Jesus Christ. You do not work for your salvation, but the Bible does say you work out your salvation. And there are a whole lot of us, I'm just telling you, it, it, the reason you keep failing a spiritual stress test is you haven't worked out spiritually since the day you said some prayer somewhere to a God that you're not quite sure is even alive. You gotta stay connected. The reason 
Maybe nobody wants you as a raspberry as you haven't been connected for a long time. Maybe you are a whole lot more prune than you are raspberry. It's about getting connected. Remember, spiritual authority has been given us to say no to what hurts us, to say yes to God who empowers us, to say no to what's bad for us so we can say yes to the good that God's got for us. Some of us need to stop shopping for God on sale. Some of you need to stop clipping religious coupons and trying to go to the checkout counter and get something for nothing. You got to stay connected. Can I give you a second thing? Write it down. Number two, first, stay connected. It's all about the, you got to stay connected. Number two is this. Choose what's important over what's immediate. One person agrees, the rest are like, okay. <laughs> if there's one thing, moms and dads, hey, let me just say, grandmas and grandpas, please teach your grandchildren delayed gratification. You're not helping them by writing them checks, giving them more money, and thinking that somehow their lives will get better because you make it easier. Listen, adversity, you know this. Grandparents, you know this. Who you are and the success that you have has come more through adversity than it has been the blessings. And if you want to know why your children and your grandchildren can't do any, their, 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 their picture of work is this. And the only reason they have that picture is we've enabled them. We've got to focus on what's important over what's immediate. I love the words that God gives us in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. He says this, no temptation has overtaken you. In other words, all the temptation that you and I have faced, other human beings have faced it as well. But the good news is this, it's God who's faithful, not willpower. It's God who's faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he, he, he will provide the way of escape. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is not this willpower that you deploy. It's a decision that you make. Can I give you just one more? Just one more? This is the last thing I'm going to say, is this. So how, how do we do this? How do we stay satisfied and how do we stay motivated? We have to understand that that whole phrase that began in, in, in 1989, remember WWJD? What was that? Right, right? So 1989, the first WWJD bracelet came out. And some of you might be wearing a WWJD bracelet. And, and, and listen, I, I, I think probably there were some really good intentions, but it's irrelevant. Throw your bracelet away. Let me ask you some questions. Since 1989 to 2021, would you say the country you live in is closer to God or farther from God? See, here's the problem. It's an irrelevant statement. It's an irrelevant question. What would Jesus do makes you God? You get to sit in the seat of authority. You get to decide, hmm, what would Jesus do? 
and you become the interpreter rather than DWJD. Do what Jesus did. Stop asking the phony baloney question, what would Jesus do? You got the Bible. You got the word of God. You've got the Holy Spirit who illuminates to you what Jesus did. That's a game changer. We don't need any cliche. We need men and women who will step out in everyday life and do what Jesus did. Stop asking the question, well, I'm praying about it. I'm not quite sure. I know we're kind of engaged, and I know we're going to get married one day, but, ooh, baby, I want me some of that. I know, I know, I know that, that I'm supposed to pay this much of my taxes, but I know, I know. But the government puts them to things that aren't really that good, so I'm going to car- do what Jesus did. John 6 and 38, the Bible says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And just in case you're kind of sitting there and saying, yeah, okay, Cummins, you're kind of stretching it a little bit. I mean, come on, you're being a little bit of... Listen, I already said, I think it was with really good intentions. But by the way, what is God up to in your life? I mean, really, when you ask the question, okay, I get the whole thing, Jesus died, right? We got the Christmas, we got the Easter thing, and and I'm gonna go to heaven when I die. But what about today? Come on now. What, what is he? When you walk on the beach at Sanibel and you pick up shells and, and, and you go fishing, what is it that Jesus is up to in your life? When you go to work, when you go to the gym, when, wherever you're watching this online, what is it that Jesus is up to in your life? Would you like to know? Again, it goes back to we just don't know our Bibles. Romans 8 and 28, you know that verse, don't you? Come on now. We love us some Romans 8, 28, don't we? For what? All things. This mess that I'm probably in because I had no self-control, let's just be honest, right? We know that all things work together for the good for those who love him. They're called according to his purposes. But what's going on in verse 29? How many of, you have, how many of us have memorized verse 29? Do you see it? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to do what? To be conformed into the image of his son. Do you know that's what what God's up to? Do you know the whole fruit of the spirit? It's about conforming us. Not to look like Mark David Cummins. Not to look like Edgar Cummins' son or Viola Klein's son. Not not to look like a United States Marine, not to look like a triathlete, not not to look like a dad, not to look like a pastor. All the things that we spend so much of our time trying to look like, you understand God is in the business of conforming us into the image, not of a Presbyterian, not a Pentecostal, not a Catholic, not a Baptist, not a Missionary Alliance. He's in the process of, of conforming us into the image of Jesus. Do what Jesus did. Being a Christ follower is not for the weak-minded, the weak-hearted, for the weekend warriors. Being a follower of Jesus Christ 
isn't for the casual interest, kicking the tires, just looking around. There is a movement that God has started. And he's using us as Christ followers. He gives us this new nature. He gives us this adoption into his family. He gives us this spiritual power in a world that's gone crazy. To say no to what's bad for us. We can say yes to the good that God's got for us. He's not trying for us to willpower it up. He's trying for us to get to a point in place where we come to the end of ourselves. And we say, God, I need you. Do we really believe that? Before you all came this morning, you can ask the tech team, the musicians. I stood on this stage, and my prayers is equal. My prayer is equal every day. Part of that prayer goes like this. God, it's Mark. I've never been here before. I know what you're saying. Wait a second. I thought you'd been a pastor since 1989. Oh, I've, I've pastored. God, I've, I've never been here before. Wait, what are you talking about? PMC, you teach week after week. Now, we, we noticed you took a couple weeks off. But we'll talk to you about that later. But uh, here's, what I'm, here, here's, here's what I'm saying is this. I've never been June 13th. 2021 before and neither of you this is fresh territory with our hands open and we say to the Holy Spirit listen I can't but you can and I need you I don't know where you might be on your spiritual journey but I can tell you this the first step is always getting connected you can't stay connected until you get connected. And if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus right where you're sitting, watching online, have this conversation in your mind, in your heart. Hey, God, it's me. Today, I want to get connected. I believe that you sent your son Jesus, and he was tempted in all ways that I've been tempted, but he stayed satisfied in you. Not me. I've sinned. I know it. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe because you died on the cross and became alive again, I can have that relationship today. And I'm telling you to everybody who's inviting God into your life, he, right, right now, welcome to his family. I'd love to help you grow. You can either use the card at your chair and you can fill it out and stop by our connections desk or just Text the word today to 63566. Maybe you've already made that decision and you've never been baptized. You saw the ladies this morning. And I so love seeing what happens. Listen, to me, the secret sauce of what God's doing at Church of Hope and the secret sauce of God when he started, and did you hear that? Mark David Cummins didn't start Church of Hope. God started Church I'm not the founder. My name is Mark. I'm a servant. I show up. When he started Church of Hope, he wanted a place where people began to get it. It's not all about where you sit on Sunday. It's who you stand for Monday through Saturday. And the ladies who were baptized are from uh, Get Fit in the Garden. 
which happens on Saturdays. You just got to see some fruit on Sunday of the work that Brett Wood and his team does Monday through Saturday. So many of you, I look out here, I see, I, I, I know you're working, you're leveraging your life. Maybe, maybe you want to get into a small group, get connected with some other people. You can text the word group to 63566. In a group, you get to know somebody. They get to know you. It'll help you. We are better together. Maybe you want to get on a team. You'd, you'd like to get serving somewhere. You'd like to, I mean, God's gifted you. You're, I mean, God's gifted you. You, you know, you know you were created for so much more. Just text the word uh, teams and we will connect with you. And, and listen, the team isn't necessarily what happens on Sunday. We're going to talk to you next week a little bit um, and see how we can be generous. Uh, I see... Uh, Harvey Vanavan to my, to my right, and a group of businessmen, and some of you know what I'm talking about. There's a, a single mom in our community. Her name is Sarah. And uh, Sarah is uh, uh, in, in foster care. And not just foster care, she opens up her house for, for boys and girls who are autistic. That just took foster care to a whole nother level right? And so her landlord came to her and said, hey, listen, so sorry, so sad. The market's hot right now. I'm going to sell the house that I've been renting to you. You got 30 days. What I love about some of these business guys, they got stirred up. They said, hell no, not on our watch. The devil ain't winning this. And so they've begun raising some money and they're at a certain number. I don't know exactly what that number is, but I want to plant a seed right now. Why not Church of Hope? Does Sarah, ask me a question. Ask me, does Sarah come to Church of Hope? Just ask me that. Nope. <clears throat> Ask me, does it matter? No. I want you to be praying all this week about what maybe we, we'll just give as a church. Maybe we can just put that whole thing. Hey, maybe we could just put that thing. I don't know what number is left. What, what if on Father's Day, we could let Sarah know her heavenly father knows where she's at? John Alvarez, remember when God did that for his building here? God showed up on a Sunday. Some of you weren't here. Anybody here that day that God did a miracle? We were short on what we needed to pay for this building. God showed up and did like a huge, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying out loud. I'm, I'm, you know you have been designed for more than this. I wanted to say this. I'm going to pray over you. We'll get out. We'll, we'll, we'll get out of here. Our partnership with the CEP uh, Kevin Sheely, he's on our leadership team, which we're very grateful for, and he leads. I mean, really, all this, I mean, he has a phenomenal team. He'd be the first one to tell you, but the CEP team, right, the Chamber Economic Partnership team, which we, Church of Hope, are a part of that. Once a month, in this space, different business leaders come in, and Kevin and his team, they encourage and they inspire the local business leaders to be better in our community. Kevin's leveraging his influence, not just where he sits on Sunday, but where he stands all week long. And when he stands, you can tell because he's like six foot 12 or something, whatever <laughs> tall he is. When you're five foot seven, everybody's tall, right? But a couple months back, and many of you know that I've been, I've been praying, listen, I want hope to look like heaven. And, and, and listen, I don't want to be some, some kind of token, woke, white pastor, and we kind of say, okay, there's a problem, and, and, and society's blown up, and racial injustice, and equity, and what can we do to kind of have the image? I, li, 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 listen, I don't want the, the pretense 
I want the power of God. And I think God is looking for a place where he'll settle, settle down. So Kevin and his team invited um, uh, Frederick Jacobs, better known as Dr. J. And he came on a Sunday, or he came on a Wednesday. He was spoken to the business leaders, but he realized he was in a church. And he might have leaned that day, Kevin, a little bit more towards preaching than he did teaching. Who knows? It was inspiring. I've developed a friendship and a relationship uh, with Dr. J and uh, his wife, Lady J, uh, Taja. And so next Sunday on Father's Day, I'm going to be here. I'm not going out of town. I'm going to be here with everybody. And um, Dr. J is going to come. And uh, we're, uh, we've been praying. We've been working together of a strategic partnership of how do we really step out in a holistic way, who we are as a church, out into this community and really help it to look a whole lot more like heaven. So that's going to be next weekend. Good? Can I pray for us before we leave? God, I love you. Thank you for each person who's here today. We all, <laughs> we all have our own Pringles can. <laughs> we all have our own vanilla wafers and banana split ice cream. God, would you please control that woman that you've given me? She's messing me up. God, we all have things that we struggle with. May you use your word today. Holy Spirit, would you guide us and direct us in all things this week so that we will make the world a better place. Not because our willpower has been deployed, but because every man and woman has made a decision to yield to the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit who's in us and with us and for us. I sure do love you. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Peace.